Kulu, if 0% increase is not an option anymore, then how is Eskom going to raise the money for any increase after pleading poverty to begin with? Well, um, the Eskom board and management met with the shareholder, the representative, which is Mr. Pravin Koran, and uh, they had agreed um, that uh, the the 0% offer is uh, clearly not sustainable, and therefore... Um, um, ESCOM is, is going to have to revise its offer. So, Sagina, all, all I can say at this stage is that uh, there were high-level discussions between the minister and uh, the ESCOM uh, management and board, uh, which uh, are, I suppose, uh, above my pay grade. But uh, between them, they're going to have to find the money somewhere, as you correctly say. But where's that money going to come from? Is it going to come from ESCOM? Is it going to come from elsewhere? And where might that be? Well, I'm sure in due course the board of ESCOM will will, will make a uh, management will make a pronouncement as to where the money is going to come from. But as you say, we 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 had a meeting with uh, the the minister. Remember, this is our shareholder now. So clearly, at a shareholder level, they also had concerns. And at this stage, at least, the details uh, have not been fi- uh, finalised. And today, as I speak to you, the management is in a meeting trying to sort of uh, um, fine-tune their position that is going to be presenting to the unions and obviously also explaining as to where this money will be coming from. You know, the language being used is also very interesting, Kulu. You know, um, terminology and terminography always interests me. When you talk about a 0% not being sustainable, why did ESCOM think it was sustainable to begin with? Well, management believes that uh, because of the financial difficulties that the company is uh, facing at this stage, management believes that uh, what needed to be done was to make sure that we improve where we are able to do so, especially the issues around our sales volume and also the profitability of the company in general. Currently, with the money that the company has, that um, uh, any increment, especially in, in relation to salaries, was not going to uh, uh, sustain the company. And that, that was the position that the company had taken. So clearly now that uh, the company is going to revise its offer, the money is probably going to come somewhere. And at this stage, at least, I did not have that information because the, the management is still working out the details. But uh, um, based on what uh, the, the company had presented before, clearly that one was not going to work out. So when are these new negotiations uh, going to start? The negotiations are scheduled for tomorrow. So in terms of the the precedent that had happened before, um, in the last two rounds of uh, negotiations, like every round was given a sort of a subsection of three days. So we're expecting them to start tomorrow. And uh, if anything, they might continue up until the end of this week. Hopefully, by the end of this week, we should be either closer to getting some agreement or we should be uh, in a position to announce as to what the agreement is. What is comforting, though, is that uh, we've already seen some statements uh, on, on, on social media from the unions saying that they are willing to come down from 15% to about 10%. And as you said, the ESCOM through the minister, um, our shareholder, have been, uh, been sort of uh, given a mandate 
to negotiate better than zero. So clearly all sides are now willing to, to adjust their positions. And uh, the other thing that uh, one would like to have clarity on is the issue of load shedding. So um, announcements that there may be a stage one load shedding in place. Why, if uh, this picket only took place, you know, one day last week, why did that result in load shedding? Well, the picket indeed happened on Thursday and then on on Friday and uh, the weekend, especially Saturday, not many of our people reported for work. And because our our power stations are not automated, you need to physically have warm bodies uh, uh, to make sure that uh, the system keeps running. So what we had was that uh, there were instances where uh, some people who wanted to go to work were intimidated, and which is why we had to call in the public order policing there. And uh, there were also incidents, as we have reported before, that uh, um, management had evidence to show that some of our equipment was uh, deliberately switched off so that the power could not flow. We also have an incident in one power station where people reported for work, I think it was on, on Friday, but uh, they, they essentially did not do uh, anything there, So which was some kind of a, not even a ghost law, because a ghost law assumes that uh, someone is working, but at a slower rate. But that one was just people just being there, but not uh, doing anything. And you need to physically move coal from the stockpiles where, where, where it's located to the, to the bunkers so that you can start uh, burning it and generating electricity, and none of that was happening. But what happened to your contingency plans? Uh, last week you were very clear that you did have plans in place to make sure that there would be no interruption to the grid. Yes, contingency plans are a function of people being able to activate those plans. If people are not uh, enabled to go there to make sure that those plans uh, do uh, take effect, then clearly it, it, it will fall flat, which is what has happened over the weekend.